And welcome back, everybody. So glad that you have joined us tonight for Wednesday night Bible study. I'm so excited to be coming to you tonight from the main sanctuary here at the First Pentecostal Church in Anderson, Indiana, at 630 West 53rd Street, Anderson, Indiana. So thankful that you have joined us tonight on our online community. And I also want to extend a great big thank you and welcome to those of you that have joined us tonight that are perhaps not a member of this church. Maybe you live in this city, maybe you live somewhere around the world, but we are very, very glad that you have joined us tonight for Wednesday night Bible study, and we are looking forward to what God is going to do in uh, your life tonight. Now, typically here at FPC, uh, on our Wednesday night Bible study, we normally uh, go over what is our Focus 52 uh, chapter and verse for the week. Now, if you're not familiar with what we do here at First Pentecostal Church with Focus 52, we have a specific chapter and a specific verse every week that we study together as a local assembly, as a body. And this week, uh, that chapter is Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And I would urge each and every one of you uh, that have not joined with us in uh, our Focus 52 journey to please do that. Now, normally when we meet together, we have hard copies available for you, and some of you have been wanting those, and so we have made a way for you to download uh, our weekly devotional, our Focus 52 devotional. They're wonderful. They're great to follow along with every week as we study uh, the chapter, the, the memory verse, the uh, devotional, and the prayer focus every single week. And so you can go to our website, which is fpcanderson.com, as in firstpentecostalchurch.com. There's also a link to this uh, website on our Facebook, uh, or you can Google us, whichever. But uh, you can go to fpcanderson.com backslash focus52, and we have made these available for you there to download. You can print them, use them in electronic form, whichever you prefer, but you can stay up with us. Now, tonight, the teaching is going to be just a little bit different. I'm actually very excited uh, to teach to you tonight about what we're going to talk about. I am teaching to you uh, from the subject of being grafted in, and we're going to deal with this tonight, uh, beginning in the book of Romans chapter number 11. I have actually uh, been planning for quite some time to do a series about this, how the, the uh, Gentile church comes into play uh, in the end time and how we were grafted in uh, at the beginning of the church. There was a, a lot of questions to this, and uh, I have wanted for some time now to do a series on this. Uh, and although uh, it doesn't look like I'll be doing the series anytime uh, soon in person, uh, tonight we're going to just kind of touch the tip of the iceberg of this subject. And perhaps uh, we may dive off into this and do a little bit more even later in this week, uh, talking some more about this, diving a little bit deeper into it. But for right now, if you would join me in your Bibles in the book of Romans the book of Romans, chapter number 11, and we're going to spend a few moments here uh, reading this. It's very important that we get the gist of uh, what Paul is saying here in the book of Romans, chapter 11. So we're going to 11 and 11, and he begins by saying, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. This is so important. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. 
For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I might magnify mine office. If by means I may provoke uh, to emulation them which are my flesh, the Jews, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, then so are the branches. Such powerful teaching. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Tonight, for the next few moments, I would like to, if I could, paint a word picture for you and uh, decipher a very clear distinction between legal Israel and kingdom Israel. Now, the Apostle Paul makes this distinction very explicit. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18, the Apostle says, Behold, Israel, after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. In this verse... Paul the great apostle refers to Israel as a group group that was distinct from the Corinthian assembly. He speaks as if the Corinthians are somewhat on the outside of this group. And then he adds a qualifier to the term Israel. He says Israel after the flesh. Or you could say it like this, Israel according to the flesh. Now, Israel, according to the flesh, is composed of individuals who are able to partake of the holy sacrifices. In Paul's day, that group consisted only of those that were halakhically or legally Jews. So Paul was defining Israel according to uh, the flesh, those that were born as a Jew, as a Hebrew, and to those that had undergone a legal conversion to Judaism, perhaps a Gentile that had uh, fully converted to Judaism from another part of the world. So why did Paul feel that it was necessary to add the qualifier of Israel according to the flesh? Why not just Israel? I believe it's because the Corinthian church also had an identity in Israel. If there is an Israel according to the flesh, then I also believe that there is an Israel not according to the flesh. 
Who are those, Israel, not according to the flesh? I believe that was the Corinthian church. That was the apostolic believers that were not born as Hebrews, that had not been circumcised in the flesh, but came to the knowledge of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the living God. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul uh, referred to the generation of Israelites that followed Moses as, and paid close attention to this, as the forefathers of the Corinthian believers. So to the Apostle Paul, the Corinthians were part of Israel. He joins them to Israel, but of what part? Because there is still, however, an invisible veil between the natural-born Jews after the flesh and Israel that is not after the flesh. For instance, the Gentile believer, the Goyim, could not, uh, those that were not according to the flesh, they, they, they could not uh, attend uh, and participate in the offering of sacrifice in the temple of the Lord. So therefore, Paul made it uh, very important to make a distinction between those who were legally identified as Israel and then a broader use of the term, that there was Israel after the flesh, and if there's Israel after the flesh, then there is Israel that is not after the flesh. So the understanding of this is to kind of get a little bit of a taste of a broad brushstroke of the Apostle Paul's writing. Now, uh, most of the time in Paul's writing, he places spirit as the antithesis of the flesh or the direct opposite of the flesh. So I guess technically you could call it spiritual Israel. But I, I, I really kind of feel like that leads to some dangerous doctrines that can arise when we start talking about spiritual Israel because then you got spiritual Israel and non-spiritual Israel and I don't want to uh, chase a rabbit trail but I, I prefer to use the term kingdom Israel rather than spiritual Israel because I feel like it can lead into some dangerous doctrines such as, uh, as replacement theology or uh, supersessionism which basically says that uh, the new covenant through Jesus Christ supersedes the old covenant and that the old covenant was only for Israel after the flesh and that it does not apply to uh, Israel not after the flesh. In other words, to the Gentile church. And so it's a separation, a complete distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it says if you're a New Testament believer, then the Old Testament doesn't matter and the Gentile church replaces uh, the uh, original church of Jews, the original people of God, they are completely replaced in replacement theology by the Gentile church. Now, folks, this presents some terribly dangerous problems. I have heard it all in my life. I, I, I understand that the scripture taken so far out of context to try to make a valid point that, you know, preacher, he came to his own and his own received him not. And uh, as if that is saying that he came to the Jews and the Jews rejected him. He came to the Jewish people and they would not receive him. They completely rejected him. So God had to find a way to replace the Jews and to get a Gentile church that would finally serve him and break down their walls and receive him. You know, this is, uh, this is pretty, pretty dangerous doctrine. It's pretty dangerous theology uh, if you start understanding the power of how the church really works because really what you're saying, if, if, if you believe that, then you have to reconcile the rest of the scripture that all of Israel is going to be saved, which means that he's either got 
uh, Jesus is either going to have two brides, which means there's going to be two tables at the marriage supper of the Lamb, or we are one body. Now, for those of you that would jump onto this train and say, well, absolutely, Brother St. Clair, that's, that's got to be what it means, that if he came to his own, his own received him not, it had to be the Jews. No, actually, if you would uh, go with me to Scripture, we can find out very easily that in the book of Acts, the second chapter, that the first 120 people that received Jesus Christ as the Messiah, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, repented of their sins, and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, they were all Jews. So did God just take that 120 and then replace the rest of the Jewish world with the Gentile church? No. I think we have to be careful about replacement theology, supersessionalism. I don't believe at all that it's biblical. And believe it or not, there are people uh, that teach this damnable doctrine that we as the Gentile church replace uh, the Jews. I, I just cannot reconcile that if we are going to replace the Jews, then why in the world would the Lord wait 8 to 13 years between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 to finally fill a Gentile with the Holy Ghost and let him be baptized in Jesus' name? I say to you tonight that we are not the replacement of Israel, but rather we are brothers with Israel. And this is why it is still important to me in this modern 21st century to be certain that we do everything we can to pray for Israel and bless Israel and bless our brothers in Israel. Yes, there's people in Israel that have not come to the knowledge of who Messiah really is, but do you know there are people in the United States of America and in the Philippines and in China and in Japan that have not come to the knowledge of who he is. I do not believe that this gospel is stuck with one sect of people. That's why I love the power of the gospel. Whether you are white or black or red or yellow or no matter where you come from, this gospel is powerful enough for you. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if I had time, we'd walk on down that road for just a little while, but just suffice it to say, I do not believe that the Gentile church replaces the Jews. I just, I, I cannot bring myself to believe that because it would be contrary to the scripture. Now, Paul did not use the term spiritual Israel nor kingdom Israel. Instead, he introduces two new terms to describe the kingdom of Israel uh, that includes the Gentiles of the faith. The first one I want to deal with, he calls in Galatians 6, uh, Galatians 6 and 15, the Israel of God. Let's look at that, Galatians 6, 15 and 16. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Is anybody out there tonight a new creature? And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon, and watch it right here in your Bible, verse 16, and upon the Israel of God. To use the term Israel of God in Galatians is remarkable because it comes right on the heels of the conclusion of a debate in the church, a long drawn out debate as a matter of fact, as to why it was unnecessary for Gentile believers to become circumcised proselytes. Throughout his argument in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul maintains that Gentiles have become sons of Abraham, and here's the key, through faith. He was not implying whatsoever 
that Gentiles have a place in legal Israel, as in the land of Israel, but rather that you have a place as a Gentile in the Israel of God. Powerful language. The Israel of God. This is a bigger picture in the kingdom of God than just belonging to an earthly nation. He said, because you have been grafted in to the vine, you belong to a heavenly nation that is not even of this earth. You are not just grafted in to a body. You are grafted into a body that has hope beyond this life. I pray for Israel. I bless Israel. I pray for their leadership just like I pray for ours. I pray for the people of Israel. But I want to tell you tonight that earthly Israel is not really where I just want to belong. I want to belong to the Israel of God because that gives me citizenship to a nation that is beyond this life, which leads us to the second term. The first term is the Israel of God and the second term that Paul introduces to us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12 is the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth of Israel. I would like for you to take a look with me if you would in Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 12 and then verse number 19 that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 19, so powerful. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Paul uses the term commonwealth of Israel while discussing the Gentile inclusion and the status of Gentile believers as fellow citizens of the Jews. Now, if Paul would have felt, and I believe this with all my heart, if Paul would have felt for any reason that faith in Jesus Christ as a Gentile had given you legal status in natural Israel, this would have been a great place for him to say so. But he did not. He used rather a broader terminology. In these two verses, he refers to the term the commonwealth of Israel and he places it in parallel with the saints of God and the household of God. The Greek word translated commonwealth can uh, be rendered as citizenship. These were terms that the apostle Paul was completely familiar with. For Paul, he said uh, in Romans where we began tonight that he was a Jew. He was a Benjamite of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul was a Jew. He was from Tarsus. Yet he also said that he was a citizen of Rome. He had Roman citizenship. So he had full participation in Rome. He fell under the jurisdiction of the Roman law. Yet he retained his ethnicity as a Jew. He did not live in Rome, but both Tarsus and Jerusalem were cities in the Roman Empire. Now, I'm taking you somewhere with this right here. Paul and the apostles were looking forward to a future day when the Roman Empire of the earth would be overthrown and would be replaced by the kingdom of the Messiah. The apostles believed that in the coming kingdom, Messiah will reign over the earth as the king of Israel. 
They believed that when the Messiah reigned over the kingdom of Israel, that the kingdom of Israel would then be the imperial power of the Gentiles. So Paul is saying to the Gentile church, you are citizens of that future kingdom of Israel. Now, not that as a Gentile you have your citizenship to Israel, but rather to the kingdom of Israel. Paul was a man who said, I don't live in Rome. I am under Roman rule, Roman law. I am a citizen, but that's not really where I belong. Can I tell you tonight that I may be a citizen of this earth? I may be a citizen of the United States of America, but this world is not my home. I am a citizen of this place, but I am also a citizen of another kingdom that is beyond this world. I'm not in the body of Christ to establish my citizenship in this earth. I am in the body of Christ to establish my citizenship in that city whose builder and maker is God. I too joined the apostles and the apostle Paul looking for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to appear in his coming kingdom. But not just where he rules as the king of Israel, but rather where he rules as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I am a citizen of a country that I have never seen before, yet I wake up ever single day of my life homesick for that land. In Revelation chapter number 2 and verse number 1, John said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words, John, they are true and they are faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Can I tell you that as a Gentile or a Jew believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, if you have repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, whether Jew or Greek, whether male or female, your citizenship is not in natural Israel. You may have a citizenship there, but your citizenship is for that new Jerusalem that John said I saw coming down from heaven. I don't know how you feel about it tonight, but I'm preparing my life for that day when I become a citizen of that great nation of heaven. Now tonight, we have discussed the distinction between uh, legal Israel and kingdom Israel. This is the theological understanding, the distinction between legal Israel and kingdom Israel has some 
some serious practical ramifications in the realm of the Gentile obligation to observe Torah. This is another big question that's on the minds of people. Where, what, 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 what responsibility do uh, the Gentiles have? And I wish so bad we had time to get into uh, a little bit more of this. Maybe we'll later in the week. But if there was not a discernible difference between Jewish and Gentile legal status, the, le- the legislation of Acts chapter 15 would have been completely unnecessary. In Acts 15 and Acts 21, the apostles affirmed that obedience to the Torah is absolutely mandatory and binding for Jewish believers. Now, let let, let me help you understand something here. The, The fuss that was going on in the first century church was that the Jews felt like the Gentiles had to become a Jew to worship with them. But I fear that in the 21st century, some of us are looking in the wrong direction as we pray for Israel because we feel like the Jew has to become a Gentile to be a part of this church. We we had better line this up with the scripture. There are people that will never understand until they get in the scripture and they read for themselves that there was no separation between Christianity and Judaism. Christianity was a sect of Judaism that realized the one true living God of the Old Testament robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. This was not a new religion. So understand that there was a distinction in Acts 15 and in Acts 21 of what the Jewish believer had to do. The Gentile believers were placed on the trajectory of the Torah by Acts chapter 15. The Apostle Paul said, if you have come under my teaching, if you have come under the discipleship of Jesus and the other apostles, I want you to understand as a Gentile, there are some things that you must do, but you don't have to do everything that we do as Jews. The most important thing that I want you to understand, Paul said, is this is not a prerequisite for your salvation. If it's something you so choose to do, then you do it. Romans 2 and 28 For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is of the outward in the flesh. 29, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Paul concedes to the Gentile who is a Jew inwardly, and therefore part of the kingdom of Israel, but not legal Israel. Not legal Israel, because the Gentile has no standing in the eyes of men with legal Israel. Therefore, his praise is not of men, but it is of God. In closing, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 19, the apostle said this. He said, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God. If I could just... Uh, For the sake of time tonight, cut this short. We'll pick up the conversation later. But essentially what the Apostle Paul was saying is we've got to quit fighting over who has the right, the Jew or the Gentile. Who's going to go first? What's going to happen with all this? Look, we're all included in this. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Ghost is for all of you. The Holy Ghost is for you tonight sitting there watching on your phone, your computer, your Apple TV, whatever you're watching on. The Holy Ghost is for you. But Paul said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I
want you to fall in love with the word of God. Fall in love with the commandment of God. Get in the book and fall in love with the book. It's not about where you were born. For did Jesus not tell Nicodemus that a man must be born again of water and of spirit to see or enter the kingdom of heaven? So this tells me whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, when you are born again, you are born as a son of Abraham into Israel, the Israel of God. And I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that when the trumpet sounds... And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. I believe that I'm going to have brothers and sisters from all around the world, from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue that are going to join us in that great celebration day as we go up in the rapture with Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't believe in the rapture, this teaching is not for you. But you better understand, Jesus is coming soon. If I were you tonight, I would get my house in order. I would get my life in order, and I would get ready because whether you're a Jew or a Greek, a male or a female, you have a place in Israel. It is in that new Jerusalem that's coming down from heaven. God bless you tonight. We love you. Please go back through this, break down some of these scriptures. I'm going to come back later on this week and talk to you about some of these things, some powerful Bible study that may help you understand a little bit more about your role as a Gentile or a Jew in the kingdom of God. But we are going to see the greatest revival that we have ever seen. I believe the church that began in Jerusalem in the book of Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, I believe that when the rapture happens, we're going to have brothers and sisters that come up out of the ground in that holy city, Jerusalem, and ahead for that other city of New Jerusalem. Don't you want to go tonight? Amen. I want to go. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for joining us for Wednesday night Bible study, and we'll talk to you soon. May the Lord richly bless you.